Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talk Junkies, where tonight's going to be a very interesting night. As it is each and every single week here at Talk Junkies, going live here from my basement. It's very, very fun, very cool. Um, Johnny is might be here tonight. Jesse won't be. Carl won't be. But anywho, <clears throat> I made a little mistake when it comes when it came to just uh, figuring out Pacific time to Central time. But if you're interested in last week's podcast, last week's podcast was really good. We had Caleb on. We talked about how important local politics are and just getting involved into local politics. It's very important. I think you have to start somewhere. And if you're going to start anywhere, it's going to be into local politics. So tune into last week's podcast. Check it out if you're interested in, in something like that. There's a lot of important stuff going on right now. Roe v. Wade, all that stuff. Um, and I think if you want to make change, you start local. But anywho, this week's going to be very interesting. Uh, I have a very uh, knowledgeable guest when it comes to what it is he has to say. It's very important, and I think this is one of the most important things that um, is really not taught to us, especially in the education system. Being a part of that, you know, for 18 or uh, 13 years of my life, it's really something that this, that's not pushed in public education or just, you know, you have to seek out that information yourself. But I'm going to shut up and quit talking, and I'm going to let the guests talk about what it is that's so important uh, to being healthy and just living a healthy lifestyle and how you can do that in your own backyard and many other ways. But Tim James, welcome to Talk Junkies. Thanks for joining, man. Paul, buddy, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to share with your listeners. And we're excited as well, man, to have you. I've uh, checked out a few of your podcasts, man. It's, it's some very powerful stuff, man. Um, especially uh, I was leaving work yesterday and it was a 40-minute podcast. I forget uh, what the the host that had you on, what it was or who they were, but man, it's some intense stuff. You, you pack a lot of information in in 40 minutes. Um, and again, man, it's, it's all very important stuff. But before we get into it, man, talk, talk to us a little bit about your journey, how you got to where you are. Yeah, well, um, I'm over here in Eastern Oregon, and uh, just uh, I actually I grew up over here. I just moved back, and um, pretty much redneck, dude. <laughs> so I'm getting a little bit of feedback. I don't know what's what's up with that, but hopefully that'll go away. You still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Okay, now it's working. All right. So anyway, so I pretty much grew up redneck. I was hunting and fishing. We had a farm, had a big garden, um, out in nature a lot. Um, Trying to decide, my buddy was a rodeo star. Do I do rodeo, play baseball? I ended up playing baseball, so I got into sports. And, you know, in sports, you're competitive, so you, you want to be the best you can and recover and be stronger and recover faster and all that stuff. And so I, I kind of had that going for me, but I was just going along with kind of the societal programming and what, you know, the, the personal trainers and everybody that was around us was telling us what to do. And, I mean, it seemed to work out fine. I was very strong and like I said, I compete. I actually played baseball for about 30 years, competed at a high level. So, um, and I loved every minute of it, but you know, fast forward age 37, you know, the standard American diet just doesn't work that long. Right. So as I got out of college and got a little bit more sedentary, I was still working out, but it wasn't the level of playing baseball and stuff. And, and by the age of 37, I was 42 pounds overweight. Um, I was tired. I lost my energy, kind of had this brain fog thing going on, really wasn't telling anybody about it because, you know, I, my ego, I guess. And um, then it got worse. I started uh, bleeding rectally when I pooped. So that went on for two and a half years. I was eating Tums and Rolaids 24-7 for acid reflux. Uh, that sucked. Um, I had those things everywhere. Doctors wanted me to go on Prilosec, but it just sounded like an alien, so I didn't want to put it in my body. And, you know, other types of pharmaceutical drugs for my rectal bleeding and stuff, but I just never, 
I don't know. I just like you'd read the labels and like the side effects were like like one of the side effects was like rectal bleeding. I'm like, I already have that. Why would I take this? It doesn't make sense to me. So thank God I didn't take any of that stuff knowing what I know now. But I didn't know that back then. It just sounded weird. And I just love nature. And I, I just know that that's, you know, but I, I didn't know, man. I just I tried high fat, low fat, high carb, low carb, high protein, low protein, five meals a day. I was trying all these different things to lose weight and get my energy back. But it was I was failing. I, I could literally I couldn't even run around a track once without huffing and puffing, you know, and I was coaching my kids teams and, you know, just jumping in with the kids. If they were short, you know, one kid was out sick or something. I had to do five on five hoops. Yeah, I couldn't really do it that well. You know, the kids are just running around. So I was just like, a you know, out of shape dad. But I still in my mind think I'm an athlete. Um, and then I got worse on a vacation. I was uh, down in northern Peru, south of uh, it's called Tomb Base, south of Ecuador. Uh, I was with my wife and her dad, who was a medical doctor, ran a big clinic in Lima, Peru. And a few days into it, we were out on a fishing trip in, um, in the ocean. And I was just not feeling good, started sweating. My stomach started hurting, gut pain. And people were like, oh, you have motion sickness, you know, from the sea. And I'm like, no, I, I hunt and fish my whole life. I've been out in the sea a lot. And I've never been sick. Other people get that. I don't get it. Something else. And when he got back, we they kind of diagnosed me. And he's a doctor. And he's like, shit. He's like we got to get you to hospital. You need surgery. And I'm like, what? So now I'm, the pain's getting worse by the, like by the minute, right? By the hour. So we got in the car and zipped down uh, to the local airport and we missed the flight by about 20, 30 minutes. And there's only one plane flight out of this place a day. It's very remote. And he said, we can't wait. You could die. So we rented a van and we drove six hours through the middle of the night down this bumpy ass road in the coastline of Peru. And let me tell you what, it was the most horrible experience of my freaking life. Every bump was like somebody was stabbing me with a knife pick in the gut or punching me. And it was just like, bump, 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 bump. It's like terrible, horrible experience. Six hours of this, just getting stabbed, basically. It was like so painful. Um, I couldn't even walk erect. I had to walk when I was walking it and bent over to 90 degree angle. I was in so much pain. So we get there. Um, I'm, I'm exhausted. My, I'm sweating so bad and profusely from this that um the paper money in my wallet was wet that's how bad it was damn and they, they put me in this hospital in peora this town we drove to it was the closest one like i said six hours away and now i'm in this like it, dude it's like going back to the 40s or 50s like the utensils and everything looks kind of old and didn't really look that clean in the hospital and there's lots of bugs flying around me in the examination room in the lamp like tons of bugs and i'm just like this is not good um so I'm freaking out. He had him, her dad had him dope me up. My wife's dad doped me up and, um, on this stuff. And then they put me in a, took a taxi and we went to the commercial airplane and flew to Lima. I should have went right into surgery right then, but he didn't want them to do it there. He had a like pretty state. I mean, it's like one of the best clinics in Peru. So it's pretty, you know, it's kind of like best Western medicine type clinic. And, and so I took this commercial plane flight. Um, they doped me up and I was able to walk erect and I mean, they, I don't know what they put me on, but it was like more, it wasn't morphine, but I couldn't feel nothing. <laughs> it was just like, you know, I was like, Ugh. and, um, we got there and they took me right into surgery. So I spent the rest of my vacation, uh, recovering and my wife wheelchaired me back in the States. No, the, the reason I tell this story is because like, I learned a couple of really important lessons. Number one is like, man, I don't ever want to get under the knife again, unless I have to. And again, this is where Western medicine shines. It's like, it was actually born out of crisis care. And a lot of people don't know this. Like, where did Western medicine come from? Well, it actually came out of war. So people were getting shot and their arms were getting blown off and shrapnel and stuff like that. And, you know, tourniquets and surgeries. And 
this is where it's needed. It's necessary. If we get in a car accident, it's like, my God, it's saving lives. And they're true. These people up there, the nurses and doctors and people on the staff are heroes. They're, they're, they're definitely saving lives. But when it comes to chronic conditions, that crisis care model doesn't work. And, you know, if you, if somebody just paused for a moment and thought about it, it's like where in nature would any animal get sick and they would go to a synthetic-based pharmaceutical drug made in a laboratory somewhere and think that's going to be good for them. Like, man is is smarter than evolution. Like, and look around. I mean, like, I don't know anybody that's on a bunch of medications that actually feels good. Right. Not one. And, you know, I've talked to so many clients. Like, this one guy, Lou, he was a retired uh, Navy veteran. He's in, and, and he'd been on blood pressure medication for, like, 15 years. And I was like, so... I was like, man, um, when do you plan on getting off of that? He's like, oh, man, I've been so busy. I never really thought about it. He just, you know, he said, you know, I've went on. They've had me on lots of different medications because one made me so sleepy. I was falling asleep at work. Another one gave me like I couldn't drive at night. Um, another one gave him a skin rash. They just kept, you know, they're, he's a testing dummy. He just keep, People don't realize that these drugs only work about 10 on 10% of the people they put them on. Ninety percent are going to just experience side effects. That's the facts. I feel like people I mean, just, once people are put onto these medications, I feel like in most cases when it's a serious issue, they they probably think they're going to be on it for you know an extremely long period of time, if not for life. When it doesn't necessarily have to even be that way. Yeah, and the doctor don't even. It's not their fault, man. They just don't. They're, it's part. They're part of a broken system, right? They're good. They're the good boys and girls in the equation here. The doctors and the nurses. Um, they're just, they're wanting to help people, but they're in a, in a system that doesn't really allow them to do it. You can't just rush in there and be forced in 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. What's going on? Okay. There's the diagnosis. Here's the pill. See you later. You know, it's like, no, like, like over an Ayurvedic tradition, this is like 10,000 years of system science, biological engineering over there. Like they got to figure it out. And the, and the doctors over there, they actually take time to, Hey, how are you doing? Like, how's your home life? Do you have any stress there? Where, where, how's your work? Like, you know, what's your environment like? What's your inputs? What are you drinking? What are you eating? And then they kind of, how are you feeling? And they go through everything. And it's a, it's like a holistic, comprehensive approach. And then they probably end up making some herbs for you to help you with your current, typical, your certain situation. And they might prescribe you certain types of foods to eat. Um, they might say, you need to do this type of stretching. You might need a little massage in this area. You might need some, um, you might need to do some yoga, you know, the, that's the kind of stuff, you know, you might need a break. They might say you need to take a couple of days off and, and go to the beach. So after your, after your surgery and then you, you come to the States, I remember, I think you had went to some type of clinic in Florida with a buddy and yeah. you, you were very hesitant at first with what type of place that you were going to. Um, but what, well, no, he duped me. My buddy duped me cause he knew. So I was the redneck, you know, my motto, our motto, my buddy, Sean Rohan, we were like, the master hunters. We, we, our motto was like, if it flies, it dies, it's brown, it's down. Like we were shooting everything. But before you get into that, but that's the thing, like that's what you knew your whole life. Like you said, you had deep freezers full of uh, meat, you know, just readily available yeah. just to eat. You had been doing that for 37 years or, or however many years after that, yep. of that lifestyle of just choosing to just, you know, consume whatever it is without even realizing what you're putting in your body. And then you go to this clinic and you said literally two days into it or however many days it was, you started to feel the effects of, you know, the detox and, and what have you. But how hard was it for you to be a meat eater, you know, and, and not really a good diet for your whole life and just to add a dime, just switch it over? Well, you know, first off, Charles, my buddy, was smart because he didn't tell me about that. He just said, I got cancer. Uh, but he had a blood cancer, chronic lymphocytic leukemia, which supposedly at the time was incurable. So and probably still is uh, based on what I don't know, though. 
But um, and he said, I want to see my son live. I want to go to father son weekend and, you know, college and I want to see him graduate high school. And we have this all planned out. And will you go with me to support me? And I just like, you know, I want to help my friend. Dude. I'm like, I'm in. And my mind was thinking like, you know, I just lost a friend on my baseball team at age 40 to stomach cancer. But we were like, well, he chewed tobacco, so it probably dripped down his throat and got in his stomach and caused it, right? So that was on him. My grandma died of brain cancer. My aunt died of melanoma, skin cancer, and lung cancer. But my experience was you get cancer and you die. That's what I'd seen. So now I got another friend with a proposition of dying. So I am just I just wanted to go to support him before he was gone. And then on the plane flight there, uh, this was 2010, January 1st, 2011, we flew to from Portland, Oregon to uh, Lima, um, not Lima, Peru, to West Palm Beach, Florida, to the Hippocrates Health Institute. And it's, at the time, it was a 61-year-old detox and nutrition clinic. It's like 72 years old now, one of the oldest ones on the planet. And um, on the plane flight there, he's like, oh, by the way, Tim, there's no meat, there's no dairy, there's no salt, there's no sugar, there's nothing cooked over 115 degrees, there's no vinegar. And I'm just like, what? What do you mean there's no meat? So... And for those listening, if you're if you're you know if you're eating meat, you're on the carnivore diet, the paleo, what? Just let this wash over you. I'm just telling. This is just the story. I'm not saying you have to do anything, right? But this is what happened to me. So I'm like, now I'm freaking out because I'm like, man. Well, I had salad bar in high school, but they had hamburger on it. But I'm like, okay. Well, I guess. Anyway, so I'm like, dude, just put your worries away. Your friend has cancer. For God's sake, step it up. So that's what I did, and um, I just kind of shut my mouth and piled my plate as high as I could because I thought I was going to die and without the food I was used to. And um, I couldn't even eat half the plate. I felt bad because I was just like throw it in the garbage with all this fresh food. I mean, they literally just get put you on like sprouts, like half the food by weight is sprouts, sprouted nuts, sprouted seeds, sprouted grains, sprouted beans, dressings made out of sprouts, sprouted nuts. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. And then red clover sprouts and broccoli sprouts and radish sprouts and lentils are sprouted. Mung beans are sprouted, sunflower, peas. Fenugreek. I mean, all these different seeds and stuff. Some of these things I didn't even hear before. And you have all these living foods. That's kind of what they do. It's the living food program. And there's a whole thing about biophotons that we could get into later. But it was like, I'm like, okay, whatever. And, but these salads were actually really good. I mean, they were like, any chef knows, like, if you want to have a hit restaurant, you just get the freshest food there. You actually have, you're growing herbs there on the spot or you have them delivered and you're putting them in the food. Man, it's like, you know, it's like going to the difference between going to the store and getting it quote-unquote vine ripened tomato at the store versus picking one out of your aunt's garden and eating it. It's like night and day difference, dude. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So with these fresh foods, you're putting in nature. You're like a wild creature. You're eating living food. Well, I'd never really done that before except maybe sprouts on my hoagie back before they scared everybody off with E. coli and salmonella, even though that four and a half times more people you know, get that every year from just eating eggs. But Anyway, so, yeah, day one, um, I, uh, my acid reflux was gone. Um, then I started detoxing. I had, like, night sweats. I was irritable. I had a metallic taste coming out of my tongue. Those were heavy metals exiting my body. Um, they just put me on a bunch of purified water, green juices, wheatgrass shots, and all these living foods. And, and then it was like a school, too. It was like 40 hours of education and lectures per week. So it's not just like you go there and they take your blood and they do all this stuff and put you on these therapies, which they do. They put you on this awesome like living food program, but they also teach you because nobody's really taught us. I mean, nobody really knows how the human body works as far as the standard American goes, the standard average working class person. We were never taught like how the digestive tract works and how, you know, and the neural system and the in interferon system in the body and the gut microbiome and the and just the oral microbiome, none of this stuff, right? 
So the first class was called internal awareness, and this doctor comes out, and this guy's just, you know, he was actually, I found out he was a bodybuilder, him and his wife, he's just like tons of muscles. And he said, I hadn't had meat in 10 years. And I knew he wasn't lying to me. I'm like, what? So this guy blew my whole concept of you had to have it um, to have muscle. And, um, and again, I'm not saying you have to quit eating meat. I'm just telling you the story. But um, he explained to us what happens when you chew, you, food go, enters the body all the way through until it exits. Like I said, it was like a three and a half hour class. It's pretty cool. But what he was trying to sell us on was that, and was the facts of that the average person, the listeners that you're listening to this, you're listening to this right now, you have a really good chance that you have about six to 12 pounds of impacted fecal material in your colon. And you don't even know it because you can't see it because it's an inside game. And he explained all this stuff and I'm like, wow, this makes a lot of sense. And he said, it's, you know, it's from all the, the cake and the ice cream and the, the processed foods and the cooked foods and the irradiated foods like potatoes and all these things and that we do junk foods and it just messes up our gut and this stuff starts accumulating. And over time it piles up and it's not good because it creates a very acidic, uh, low oxygen environment, which is the perfect breeding ground for viruses, bacteria, mold, yeast, fungus, parasites, and, Mutagens, cancers love it. Cancers are anaerobic. They cannot live in an oxygenated environment. So they love acid and they love low oxygen. And the standard American diet it creates that in, internally. So um, he was smart, though, because um, I looked at Charles. I said, dude, I came here to help you, and this is all great, and I'm, but I ain't doing that colon hydrotherapy thing, which is what he was trying to sell us on, which is to uh, – I don't know. Have you heard of colonics or colon hydrotherapy before? I have not. Okay, so I hadn't either. So for the listeners, if you haven't, like me, it's basically what it's it's a water therapy, colon hydro water therapy. So you sit on a tube rectally, or a technician will insert it, like a nurse type person, and then water gently goes in and out of your colon for about an hour, and it cleans your colon. I mean, it's really not that big of a deal, and but I, you know, my ego is kind of there, and I'm like, you know, nobody's doing that down there, and and then and then he and then he like was smart though because I, I they've been doing this for a long time so then he showed virtual colonoscopies you know saying things one thing but you know pictures worth 60,000 words basically so there was four people three of them had been on the standard American diet had different health issues at different ages and one person had been on this Hippocrates lifestyle this living food program for about three years or something like that and was healthy so the first person was 24-year-old female with uh, Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid disorder, which is afflicting over 50% of women today. I've seen in my approaching practice. Um, and she also had thrush, which is a yeast infection. So that tells me that her gut microbiome's out of whack, probably got wiped out from stress and antibiotics or you know, drinking too much booze or something, um, exposed, exposure to toxins. And um, inside of her colon, she, it was white, white and yellow. Like you think the inside of a colon would be like brown, right? It's a waste removal system. No, her colon was like white and yellow because the yeast overgrowth in there. And now I'm like, holy crap. I was like, that is weird. Then they went to a 65-year-old female, and then we went into his colon and took a peek. And he, it was like he had colon cancer, and his colon was black as night. It was like tar. And, there was, and he had parasites, and there was these white worms like moving around. You could see them. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Now I'm like flipped out because the worms really is what got me. I mean, the yellow and stuff was like bad enough, but then the worms sealed the deal. And he turned around, the doctor, and he said, hey, look, this, um, these, these worms, these parasites, this, most of you think that you're over here in America, that this is a third world affair. Far from it. 
easily over 50% of you are going to see them with your eyes over the next three weeks as they exit your body through your stool. But And some of them will actually come out through the pores in your skin. And we actually saw that. One lady at lunch had a parasite crawling out of her eye. I saw people crawling out of their pores. And um, and I know people think, well, that's crazy. But mm, I was there. I saw it. Okay. And um, so, but there's other parasites. There's smaller ones that are microscopic. You can't even see them. And he said all of them are living inside of us. And they love a low oxygen acid environment, which is what we're creating with stress and the standard American diet and all this chemical pollution and toxins in the body. And they're, they're drinking our drinks, they're eating our food, and then they urinate and defecate in us, and then they create more acid, and then they create this biofilm to protect themselves, and they grab heavy metals as a shield. I mean, they're very ingenious. And, um, and, and the, then they lay thousands of eggs. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Now I'm freaked out. I'm like, I want I just want to, I want to clean myself up. I'm like, I get it. So then the last one was like a 45 year old female with, uh, she had breast cancer and like colitis or Crohn's. I can't remember that one ever, but she, her gut was jacked up and inside her colon was like black. There was some Brown in there, but it was just, it, it, it didn't look right. Then they went to the healthy person's colon. There was Brown waste matter in there, but the, the lining of the intestine was like pink and clean and there's blood vessels. And the point was, is that the internal terrain of the healthy person was completely different than the internal terrain of the unhealthy people. And that's when the light bulb went off of my head. And I'm like, this is an inside job. It's just like our tractor on the farm. It, you know, you got an old tractor. It's not running right. You don't just put a little bit better fuel in it and it's everything's fixed. No, you got to take it in the shop. You flush out the engine. You flush out the transmission fluid, new spark plugs, new fuel filters, new oil change, all that stuff. And then you maintenance that sucker and you take care of it and it'll last you a long time. Everybody knows this. If you take care of your equipment well, it's going to, it's, it's, it's going to last you a long time. If you just kind of ride it hard and put it away wet, as they say, it's just not going to, it's just not going to last as long. It's like rental cars, you know, people drive them like crazy because it's not theirs. There's no investment in it. So they hit the brakes hard and hit the gas hard and, you know, they wear the car out faster. And that's what we're doing with our bodies. You know, we're hitting it hard with junk foods. We're hitting it hard with the air and the water we're breathing and we're doing it unknowingly because it's still polluted today. And then we're also hitting our bodies very hard with stress. So I'm almost curious. I'm almost curious. Sorry to cut you off there, Tim, but I'm almost curious. I'm not trying to bring it to conspiracy level, but I'm just, I'm so, again, curious why that the American diet would, would continue to be this way. If you're, if people are able to see this, and, and you have physical evidence in front of you, and, if, and not everyone can go to these clinics like you described. But to me, that seems like it's the most important thing that should happen in America is people being aware of these types of situations and what they're putting into their body. And I'm, I guess my question is, why is this allowed in the American diet? And why is it nothing done about it? Well, I think the, it's pretty simple. The working class has gotten lazy. About in the 1970s, we have gotten freaking lazy. And... Um, We've been entertained. You know, they did this same stuff back to the Romans and people were, they were about ready to like take down the whole empire. And then they built the, you know, the, the, the big, uh, arenas and started having games and stuff like that to distract people, you know, and, and for those listening, I'm not hammering on people. I'm just pointing out some, some, some things that I think that would relate. It's like, I have a, f a bunch of f uh, friends that are really into, you know, fantasy football, like way into it. Like, you know, and, and that's fine. I mean, we would have to have hobbies. And I understand that because a lot of them are stressed out at work. I mean, I worked with a lot. I was a financial advisor for a long time. Financial advisors, CPAs, insurance brokers, real estate agents, mortgage people, you know, all these business professionals and stuff like that. And a lot of them were like in, just into this as an example. People are into lots of stuff. Golf and all these other things is fine. But, you know, it's like 
what are we doing? You mentioned it earlier locally. What are you doing? You know, if you don't like seeing urine and feces in the streets, what are you doing about it? Just complaining, oh, the governor's an idiot. Okay. If she's not going to do it or he's not going to do it, what are you going to do about it? But people don't realize how powerful they are because they don't know that people don't really know the history of America. I mean, they, they know that we fought in 1776 to fight for our freedom and get, you know, it was the first time in history that the working class, I mean, it's, it's always been the, the slaves and, you know, the elite or the slave drivers. It's always been that everywhere. There's been white slaves, black slaves, green slaves. Blue, I mean, with all colors of people that we've been slaving ourselves forever. This was the first time that we broke out of that. And we broke away from the British, that big, huge monarchy. And people fought and bled for that because they were just sick and freaking tired of it. And this was the opportunity to, to do it. And they did it. And they fought and bled and they got us our freedom. However, those blue bloods, a lot of them never left. They were still here. The British, are, it was like, oh, well, they, they were plotting. How are we going to get them back under our thumb? And, you know, by the early 1900s, late 1800s, you know, they'd worked their way into politics and with big business. And we'd basically the Industrial Revolution, we had slave shops again. It was just another form of slavery. Pittance wages, 12, 14-hour workdays, little kids in the workforce, dangerous working conditions. Like you'd go to work and die, go to work and get sick, go to work and lose your arm, go to work and lose your eye, lung issues, breathing in all kinds of crap. I mean, you even see it today. There's like advertisements about if you've been exposed to asbestos, you may be entitled to compensation. Well, there was a lot worse stuff than asbestos back then too, and just as bad. So a bunch of women got pissed off and they started the women's labor movements. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but it was this was like the second revolution, which was the women's labor movements. The women are like, you know what? We're this is ridiculous. We're we're basically slaves. We go to work, we don't we get paid nothing. Our children are in the workforce. So they started fighting back. And just for the fighting back for the eight hour workday, four people were hung. Four people were hung fighting just to work eight hours a day instead of working twelve. And that, it, like, that sent shockwaves around the world. We have to realize that working people all over the world are good, decent people. We just want to raise our kids, have a good life, put some money away, take some vacations, you know, and just enjoy, you know, going to watch your your daughter, you know, like, you know, it, it, maybe she plays clarinet or something or or violin or watch your son, you know, you know, play basketball. You know, and, and go on vacations and take them swimming in the river and, and do this kind of stuff and have, you know, family reunions. I remember those stuff. This is the precious moments. But it's like we, we've, we, it's just so crazy that they've used working people as like it's like a robot. I think the way they the way the elites look at it is more like do we if we can replace our carbon based uh, robots, that's us, the working class with a silicon based you know, artificial one. As soon as that happens, you're out of there. Yep. It's all about the dollars. Like, and I have, I had an insider on my podcast for Amazon. I have a health podcast, but I had to talk about this. He said they are, they have robots now that are replacing jobs. And oh, we have great pay and all this stuff. It's a shit show over there. All everybody's stressed out. It's not a great job over there. Slavery. It's just another form of it. That's what it is. He, he said it's high pressure stress, which is killing people. And then as soon as they can replace you with a ro with a, with a silicon-based robot, those you're gone. So we have to open our eyes and see in history, it's like we had to fight to get freedom. We had to fight again. All those women, all those women started fighting, and then guess what? 
they they fought for the eight, eight hour workday. They got it. They got children out of the labor force. They fought for better pay. They started striking bottoms up on their own, uniting. That's the power. Yep. Uniting bottoms up working class people. It's the only answer. It's only, only in history. It's only only way we can do it. Top down stuff doesn't work. And um, and then there was also you know back in the turn of the century there was urine and feces in the street. Hmm. Look familiar. That's returned. You think a hundred years later we'd have this stuff figured out by now? People have to wake up. The the slave drivers want their slaves, and that's the way it is. They're never going to stop. So we can never stop uniting and pushing back. And that's what those women did. And what those women did to improve public health, to get the urine and the feces out of the streets and the dead horses and cows out of the water supply, is they fought back. And they said no. And they started striking. They said, if you're not going to give us better pay and clean up the streets, then we're not going to work. Somebody, Nobody's going to make your widgets. They bent so the the corporations had to had to give them what they wanted, and the women got plumbers and sanitation workers, and they cleaned up the streets and they got the dead horses and the cows out of the water supply, and lo and behold, all these infectious diseases that were killing people at the turn of the century ninety eight ninety seven ninety eight percent of them were gone by the mid forties. I'll give you an example: measles at nineteen year nineteen hundred fourteen out of a hundred thousand people were dying of the measles. Uh, it, it's that's high numbers. By 1945, 98% eradicated. The measles vaccine hit the scene in 1963. So was it was it Big Pharma that saved us from the measles that they want you to think about? Nope. It was a bunch of pissed off women that built the infrastructure that cleaned up the terrible terrain, the terrible environment, just like that poop that's all accumulated in the junk in your gut that's destroying your health. It's the same thing in a city, right? Because you go out in nature, if a deer poops in the woods... Sunlight hits it, it's a disinfectant, water's hitting it, little bugs come in, they do their thing, and it's a cycle of life, and it cleans it up. But when you put deer in a, a pen or cows in a pen, and they're, they're stepping in six inches of crap and urine, that's where E. coli and salmonella and, and bugs start coming, and it's just not natural. So when you have a city, you have to have infrastructure to, to, to get that waste out of there. Otherwise, you're going to get sick. The pharaohs and all those, those people ex- experience that. All those people, the plagues right? You have a bunch of people in the city and you have poor infrastructure, you're going to get sick. And it's returned. That's what we have today. We have urine and feces in the streets. And now we have masks and needles and all kinds of crazy stuff. Fast food restaurants. uh, Yeah, it's all, it's all by design, but whether you want to think it's conspiracy or not, it doesn't matter. It's look at the, look at the facts, look at what's happening. So So, what type of movement that, that you're a part of, um, how much traction does it have and, and, and where do you see it leading, you know, within the next 10 to 15 to 20 years? Because, I, again, I think this is probably one of the most important movements that's not talked about. What you're putting into your body and eating healthy and food combining, which I don't know if we'll have time to get in that t- today at all, or eating living foods like you described. Those are fundamental to being a healthy person and living for as long as you possibly can. Is your movement going to make that happen, and you know, within our lifetime type of thing, to make Americans more aware of that? Well, here's the thing, man: is that if you don't have your health, how are you going to fight for freedom? How are you going to do it? You're not going to have the energy to do it. I talk to people all day long that they don't even have enough energy to play catch with their son when they get home from work. They're stimulating themselves through the day with coffee and five-hour energy drinks and sugar drinks. And then they crash, and then they wake up and do it all over again. And they're just dragging their ass through the day. Does that sound like a plan that you want for your children? 
You want to just no. get by? Oh, I got to do this. I got to pay the bills. I'm just going to, you know, I'll just stimulate myself. And then what will end up happening is eventually a wheel falls off and you end up in this broken medical system on the chronic side. And then you get more acid put in your body in a synthetic acid-based, uh, you know, pharmaceutical drug or surgery or radiation. Like, it just... It's like this huge, big el white elephant in the room. I was like, it's right there. Can't you see it? It's like, and the answer is nature. So to get back to my story at Hippocrates, um, I signed up for a colon hydrotherapy session. And I went in the next day, and they weighed me, and they, I did that one-hour water therapy in colon. And I dropped 10 pounds of impacted fecal material in, in one hour. Like I had, a, like he said, he's like, Tim, you got 10 pounds of crap in a five-pound bag. I literally did. And the record at the Institute at the time uh, they were uh, was a lady had dropped 27 pounds of impacted fecal material in one one-hour session. Think about that. 27 pounds of disease-causing funk and gunk and junk came out of that lady. It's like a, I always say it's about the size of a medium-sized dog that fell out of her butt. Think about that. <laughs> That's a lot, yes. dude. How can you be healthy with 27 pounds or 10 pounds or even one pound of nasty garbage in your gut? You don't want that in there. Your Your body is a system. And you, and you want to get it cleaned up. So, I, I again, I realized it was an inside job, right? So they I was going through this detox, and they said on day four or five, you're going to wake up, and you're going to feel better than you felt in years. And I was like, oh, my God, please be tomorrow because I don't want to go through this another day. And I woke up the next morning, and, man, I felt good. Charles and I, my buddy, we went and did our little routine. We did our water, drink our water, wheatgrass shots. We worked out. We did these hot, cold plunges in the pool and infrared saunas. And we were walking back to the – to our little hacienda to get ready to go to our lectures and start educating ourselves for the day. And I was like, dude, do you feel as good as I do? And he's like, yeah, man, I feel awesome. I'm like, bro, I'm like, we've literally discovered the fountain of youth here. This is like not woo woo stuff. This is what everybody's looking about looking for. It's like, it's so simple. It's nature. And people are so disconnected. We forget that we are nature. Let me reconnect you right now. What's your body mostly made of Paul water? Where do you find that? Where do you find water? In the ocean? In the yeah. lake? In your body? Yeah, it's in nature. It's, it's in nature. What are your bones made of? Minerals. Where do you where do you find that? It's in the soil. Right? What about um you have some bat in your gut? They're called gut microbiome. People take probiotics for this. Where do you find those? In the soil. Nature. And when you, it's like when you die, you know, your body would go back in and those minerals and all that stuff would just recycle and go back in. So we're nature. Like, why are we trying to w get on our high horse and think, that, oh, I don't have time for that. I was like, this is why we're sick. We're disconnected from the, the mothership. Like, if you want to heal, I mean, there's literally places in China where the, they just take away your cell phone and your laptops and all that stuff. And they just send you out in the forest and people heal. Just get out and go go out there. Sunshine, fresh air, you know, um, nature, drop the stress, and people start healing. So for me, I, you know, I did it at a clinical setting in this 50-acre beautiful complex called Hippocrates Health Institute. That's how I started my journey. And um, I looked at Charles and said, hey, look, dude, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm going to give up all meat except for bacon. We're going to go home, and we're going to juice twice a day like they said. Um, I'm going to start growing sprouts and all this stuff, and you're going to freaking heal a cancer. I know it. I freaking know. I, I, I was interviewing everybody, and I'm super skeptical. I was like, how could this podunk place help somebody with cancer, for God's sakes? We have the best minds on it, don't we? We have the race for the cure. I mean, all this effort's going into it since the Nixon era, and 
they can't solve it. So how could this little place do it? Because this little place simply said, hey, look, you need to be your own doctor. You need to take charge of your health. You need to grab the reins. You need to make your health a priority. Nobody's going to do it for you. Your mommy or daddy aren't going to do it for you. Your aunt, your uncle, your kid. Nobody's going to. You have to do it. And once you do it and you take back the reins and you start making your health a priority and you get the right information and you start taking action on it, you're going to get the results. And the, ben- the awesome thing is for me and like my coaching program is the, the clients get the self-satisfaction of knowing they did it themselves and they become empowered and they start realizing like I did. It's like, I don't have to get sick. I don't have to go through dragging my ass through like, you know, stimulating myself with coffees and five hour energy drinks and, you know, and all this stuff to get through the day. And I, I have people that literally can call me and then they'll be like, Tim, I just played catch with my son for two hours. I was out in the backyard and it was the best thing. I've had tears rolling down, both of us, like grown men crying because he couldn't do it. Right. Just stuff like that. So we can get our health back. People have no idea, Paul, how healthy they can be. Like no idea. Because I've been at this for 11 years and I keep finding new ways to get more energy in my body. And all I do is I keep changing my environment. The air I breathe, the water I drink, the foods that I'm consuming, the bed that I sleep on, the clothes that I wear, the shampoo, whatever. Anything that comes into contact with my system, my body, whether I ingest it or it touches my skin or I breathe it in, I'm thinking about that. I've been thinking about that for 11 years and I've created this lifestyle and I just, you know, I've sifted and sorted through different products and different things and and I just, I share that with people and people pretty much get similar results. So So that's what's been going on. So how do you, how do you reach out to the most amount of people possible? Because for me, I would have, if I never would have started this podcast, I most likely would have never even talked to you or even been interested in something like this. And I feel like most people are waiting till it's too late or almost too late to enter this type of environment. Again, because it's by design, you know, you go out, you eat whatever, hundreds of different fast food restaurants that have no type of nutrition in it really whatsoever or living organisms or whatever it is, you, you know what I'm saying? I guess my, my goal would be is like, again, how, how is your organization or, or your community going to reach to the millions, to the masses? Is it, is it, are people just going to wait till it's too late every single instance or is there a good movement, I guess? Well, you know, unfortunately, like they said at Hippocrates, there's two camps, people that are enlightened or frightened. You either get enlightened and you, you see the writing on the wall and you're looking around and you're seeing friends drop like flies, like my buddy Clay Mahoy that died at age 40 and left three little boys behind. You see your friends getting sick and getting cancer. And, you know, I actually had another friend. It's funny. He's like, he's like, oh, I don't need to eat that crap. I'm not going to eat like a rabbit and made fun of me. And then like a year later, he's like, uh, yeah, I want to get on them green things. I'm like, what happened, Todd? He's yep. like, well, you know, I kind of had a heart attack. He couldn't even admit to it. I'm like, what do you mean? Kind of had a heart attack. You either had one or you didn't. Well, they said I had one. And then, and then he got busy living. And, and he started losing weight and getting healthy, started laying off the booze and started drinking water and drinking our green juice and all this kind of stuff. And well, actually he didn't actually, he was the one, one person just like, he doesn't really like the, the green. So it needs to be in capsules for him. But, um, you know, why wait? Like, why would you wait? Cause even with heart attacks, it's like kills half of us. 25% of those cases you're dead. You don't, you can't change your diet and get healthy. So you there's no do over at that point. So just look around. I mean, we are literally the sickest that human beings have ever been in the history of humanity. So why would we keep doing the same inputs to our system, going to the same grocery stores, 
the same restaurants, eating the same stuff, putting it in our body, and then when things aren't working, go to a system that puts more synthetics and more acid in our body. It's like the whole definition of insanity. Right. And the when cre- all, you, all you have to do is look out, look out in the woods and look outside, and all your answers are out there, sunshine, air, water. But today, because of the pollution levels, we have to clean all that stuff up. So anyway, we came back. Charles literally, um, in 2012, we actually ran the Portland Marathon before he was technically healed, and he healed himself. No so, cancer, no chemo, no surgery, no radiation. He actually saw his son graduate high school and college, and, and his son sold him a house recently. He played guitar, and, that, and uh, he's healthy, doing that, good. And that's beautiful. But when you say when, when, when we got back, and I, I'm assuming that's from the, the, the clinic, or, um, mm-hmm. you brought those practices back to your house, back to your home. Yep. And you, and, and it was just instant. It wasn't you. Is that where you, you did not look back anymore? And you took this no, I, full I, on full tilt. I get, and here's the deal. I don't know if I would have done it for myself. I definitely wouldn't have set foot in the Hippocrates Health Institute if I would have found out there wasn't no meat there. But I did it because I was doing it for Charles. I was there to support my friend. And sometimes we'll do a lot of things in the beginning more for other people than we will for ourselves. And when I did that, but dude, I felt so freaking good. Like I told Charles, I'm like, dude, this is like a do-over. Like, I feel like I'm 18, and I was 37 at the time, and I still feel 18. I'm healthier now at 49 than I was at 37, 12 years later. Like, healthier. I'm like, tomorrow I'll probably go uh, trail run about seven miles. No problem. Just running through the woods like a rabbit. No problem. Just, and no inflammation either. You know, I've learned how to get that. So for anybody that's older that would like to build muscle and reduce inflammation, you know, we have strategies for that now that are very simple to do this stuff. So for me, I'm like a walking, talking laboratory. I try everything <laughs> on myself, see what works. And if it works and moves my – if I can get look younger, feel younger, feel better, more energy, better recovery, I'll add it to my lifestyle. And then I'll share it with my coaches. And if it works for them – and we share it with our private group coaching community, and then we share it with the rest of everybody else that follows us on right. our, our, our client base. Well, so we're like a living laboratory over here. And I'm I'm not a doctor. I don't claim to be, but I'm not sta- I'm not handcuffed by what's called standard of care. They have to follow a manual on what they do. I go with results, like, and I want things to be efficient. Like I'm very busy. You know, I'm building this business right now, and um, but my business is basically me getting healthy. That's what it's been, and then I just share with other people what works. You and know, and that's getting into doing. getting into what works. And man, dude, this is just going by so fast, and there's so many questions that I have to ask. Um, but before we get into like living foods, because I think that's really important um, to try and understand what that is. Maybe before even getting getting into uh, food combining, which I had no idea about that until I listened to you on a podcast that you had did, did. And then in that podcast, you talked about the four secrets and I had no idea about any of those things. So mm-hmm. thanks to you, I tried out dinner last night for the first time without drinking any liquids an hour before and an hour after. So that was very interesting. I've never done that before in my life. You know, um, I'm not expecting results instantly from that. But before we get into living foods, man, uh, I have three kids myself. I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and, and a four-month-old. And you know, we've, we're, we're very natural, holistic people, but not so much as to the food side. You know, we still go to the Hy-Vee, Price Chopper, Walmart, all those types of things. Mm-hmm. And just, can you briefly describe the American diet, how, uh, how lethal it is to kids growing up before we get into living foods? Well, um, when I first started this work in 2011, 
um, I found out that children were starting to be born obese, overweight and obese. Think about that. Born. They just come out of the womb obese. That's kind of crazy, right? Have you ever seen a obese elk or deer come out of the womb? Mm -mm. So that means that the mama and daddy are so far out of whack and so detached from nature that they're we're actually bearing children that are overweight and obese. And I thought that was terrible and weird and bad. Well, then a little while later, children started being born with diabetes, and they had to change and give it a you know, like another category or name. Imagine that. And then now, children are being born with cancer. Think about that, dude. It's like crazy. And this is like this is a perfect segment right here. So, about nine years ago or so, um, I, I typed in these three words. When you guys are done listening to this podcast, you have to go type this stuff in. It's crazy. Type in umbilical cord chemical. Umbilical cord chemical. Type those three words in. What you're going to see is the studies that I saw that went back to 2005 that showed that every single time these researchers and scientists and doctors tested the umbilical cord blood of young babies and mothers, right, they were looking for like 400 chemicals. They would find 71% of what they were looking for in that umbilical cord blood, so about 250 chemicals, and 180 caused cancer in humans. Damn. 212 caused developmental and brain disorders, and this is happening every single time they test it. So that's when I sat back in my chair and I was like, oh, my God. We're all freaking polluted. And I'd learned about bioaccumulation, which means the older you are, the more time you've had to bioaccumulate these toxins – from the air you breathe and the water you drink and the food you eat and the cosmetics you're putting on your face and the shampoos and the deodorants and the harmful if swallowed toothpaste, please contact the Poison Control Center. You might want to rethink putting that one in your mouth again. Or when I got home, I checked my shampoo and the you know, sodium lauryl sulfate is a known carcinogen. It's a cancer causer. It's the first ingredient in my shampoo. I was like, what the hell? How is this even legal? Nobody is looking out for you. This is why you have to take 100% responsibility for every aspect of your life, not just your health. I just happened to help people with the health because that's kind of how I got into it. I changed my life by changing my health, raised my consciousness, and you know, and now I'm. It, it actually helped me with my spiritual practice. Now, you asked me a question earlier about why do people, why do people keep doing this? Well, these foods are very addictive. There's a lot of science behind what they put, super sugars, and actually in children's cereal, it's very, very pisses me off. They have like engineers or chemists on staff that put opiate derivatives derivatives into children's cereal. They don't have to put that even on the label. So think about that, opiates to further addict your children. That's the level of where it's at. So it's, I mean... It's just we, we live in a freaking crazy world, dude. That's what it is. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to get you to live a real way in this crazy world. We're trying to get you to live a natural way because you are nature. Okay. That's that's how we have that's where we have to go. There's no other there's no other option. But the beautiful part is is that when you do this, you will get your health back. And everybody's path is a little bit different. But um hopefully that answered questions about the kids, man. Because no, for sure. Like, no, yeah, I it's like they're kind of screwed walking into the or walking into life now. So we need to start helping them. And the first thing to do that is start helping ourselves. And if we start doing that, then the young mothers to be and the young fathers to be can clean up their bodies and they can procreate and actually have a healthy baby again. Start doing that. How about we do that? Let's yep. start with ourselves. And right. then that's how we help our kids. You lead by example. Mama bear and papa bear, they lead by example and they they just know instinctively what to do. 
It's very true. And my, I, I applaud my wife, man. The, our, it, it's been a journey, right? We've been married for um, four years. And when we had our first child, you know, there was there were shots involved. There was an epidural during pregnancy. Um, the whole nine yards when it comes to birth for a, an American birth, right? Um, and then, you know, I'd, I'd always been on the, the side of conspiracy, if that's what you want to call it, or tinfoil hat or whatever it is. My wife wasn't so much. And I just started saying things to her to try and just slowly open up her eyes or whatever. And eventually, I'm not saying what I did, it worked on her, but she started looking more and researching on her own. And our second child, she had an all-natural birth in the hospital. And then our, our recent child, third child, we had a, a home birth, all-natural. So I applaud my wife, nice. you know, for, and I'm, you know, no shots, nothing, no ibuprofen on the third, you know, like beautiful woman, hard, strong woman. And I, and I greatly appreciate her for that. And, and just to, you know, I'm digressing a little bit, but when we did the home birth and the placenta was brought out, like the, the midwife and her nursing assistant looked at it and they're like, well, we don't see any calcium buildup on the placenta. It looks beautiful. They're like, you didn't take any Tums during the pre- pregnancy. Like they were just amazed by how clean her placenta looked, you know, and our kids got to touch it and all that stuff. It was super cool. Just seeing the all natural way. Um, Sorry, again, I, I digressed, and I just wanted to shout, give awesome, a shout-out to like my I wife. Had a, I've had a birth doula, Stephanie Enton, on my show, and um, we, we talked about all this stuff. It's like there's so there's so much crazy stuff now. I just I just talked to somebody. This guy was like, yeah, it's my, my grandchild's on the way, my first grandchild, and it's coming out on the 16th, like it or not. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, are you doing a C-section? She said, oh, yeah, yeah, because it has to fit into everybody's busy schedule. And I'm like thinking – that is so bizarre. That is so bizarre. And if you look at it from a health standpoint, the baby's not going to go through the vaginal canal, which is um, going to like shock the baby into life, which is what it needs. It's like a, it's like a kickstart. There's also all these bacteria that are in the vaginal canal that are going to go into the baby's mouth, into its eyes, and it's going to start preloading its immune system. So they're bypassing that. So the baby's going to come out with a weakened immune system because it didn't pick up those necessary bacteria. That's why I was always telling people, I was like, look, you know, it's kind of cool that we have C-sections to save people when needed, but it shouldn't be like scheduled surgery. Right. That is insane. And if, if you do have to do it, you should have somebody there that's going to take a, a cotton swab and really swab the vaginal canal and get that bacteria and set it in a glass container. And then when the baby comes out, you need to wipe that baby's face and mouth and eyes with that cotton, right? So there's just like, it's so bizarre what we're doing. And when people are, well, wonder why everybody's so sick. And I'm telling you parents out there, if you're thinking about having kids and um, your life is going to be a freaking miserable hell, raising these sick kids all your life with no, throat, nose, and ear infections and all this stuff, and you can never, and autism, all these things. If you go down, if you, the farther you divert from just having a natural childbirth. And, 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 the, and it's more stressful too. And they actually put you in stirrups. And the, de- the birth doula told us, she's like, that is like the worst position to be in, to have a baby. The way they put you up, your legs are up like that. It's like it's not natural. It's weird. But it's just good for them for, to do what they need to do. But it's not natural. Right. I mean, we've been having babies for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years. Nature's got it all figured out. Yep. Let's go back to that. Well, and it's and, and sorry, that's I, I just got my train of thought back, but it's um, I, I, I you briefly talked about sugar, and again, we'll get into living foods really quick because I know we're getting close. We got about twenty more minutes, I think. Um, but like just seeing my kids and their addiction to sugar, and again, I, you know, we all have our own addictions as adults and and what have you. But um, again, 
you know, and there's other people out there who have a healthy style of living that I've listened to podcast wise, but you, you made a, a really good point in the fact that sugar is very identical on a molecule level to cocaine. And then like whenever you start, very similar yeah, structure. when you start looking at your kids and when they start eating sugar and you, and you see how addicted they become to it and that's what they want and they want to, they want to dessert every night and you just see their moods change. You know, you got food dye in it as well. And food dye is absolutely horrendous for the body. Um, causes cancer. Yeah, exactly. It's just, to me, it's, it's insane, man. So it's just like these kids are being, and, and I, I was brought up this way, you know, just eating, uh, eating horribly, eating as many, uh, sorry, I can't even talk. I don't know why I'm um, just eating desserts and candy and all that stuff. Like, it's just like, I, I've done a, an enormous amount of damage to my body from the ages of five up until now and to where I'm finally aware of like, Hey Paul, you probably should change it. Go get some, some water in your butt and get this stuff flushed out. You know what I'm saying? man? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of interesting too, because we have the most lovely people in the world handing us the sugar. It's our moms and grandmas and aunts, the people that give us the big hugs and love us more than anything. I remember, you know, growing up here on the farm, my grandparents um, from uh, Rapid City, South Dakota, every summer they would drive out here and spend the summers with us. And because my grandpa, you know, his other daughter, my, my mom's sister, they lived in Rapid City. So they got to see those grandkids all the time. So they'd come out here and see me and see, see their see their daughter and you know um and stuff like that and um, i remember them coming down the road dude i was so excited and i would hug them but the first thing i would do is like where's the little candy bucket yep right because i knew grandpa and grandma they had all kinds of cool candies that i never got to eat and they're oh here's the candy and i was like boom right on that stuff freaking addict dude think about that and again Sugar is three times more addictive than cocaine. It's easier to get people off of cocaine than sugar. That's crazy. And grandmas are handing it out left and right with cookies and stuff like this and genetically modified wheat flour. And it's just you're you're basically just slowly killing your kids. That's what it is. But there's a massive amount of emotional and societal programming going on there because their parents, I mean, everybody likes this stuff because it's like you have sugar receptors in your, in your brain and you have, I mean, our, our bodies are, well, we're 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 looking for sugar, salt, and fat, but in nature you, you can't really get a lot of that. You know, go out in the woods naked and see how much sugar, salt, and fat you can find. <laughs> right? It's not, but now it's readily available, and it's genetically modified sugar beets and cane, and cane sugar is the most pesticide-ridden sprayed crop on the planet. Right? So there's all these other chemicals that come in. So sugar is a is a really big problem, and the easiest way to solve that problem for your children is. Don't buy it. You have all the power. Stop feeding that industry that's killing you and your children. You know, get upset about it maybe. Get pissed off about how bad it is. That's why I like I feel really bad for like Valentine's Day and you know, it's you know, and Halloween and stuff like that. Valentine's supposed to be time of love and it's like give your little Valentine a little sweetie heart card or whatever and then some, you know, some candies and you know, you just gave her some acid it's just it, it's it's just terrible it's like it's crack and i just watched this now there's these super sugars these high fructose corn syrups most people a lot of people don't know this high fructose corn syrup is genetically modified corn when you genetically modify something you disrupt the plant's metabolism and it stops producing glutathione which our body wants and it starts producing um formaldehyde where else do you find formaldehyde? Well, Dead eighth people. grade biology class when they're frogs and stuff like that. And in the mortuaries. 
Carpet does it too. If anybody here is listening has synthetic carpet, it's off-gassing formaldehyde. You take 20,000 breaths a day, you're embalming your children and yourself and your family having synthetic carpet in your house. That's why What's, I have a specialized air purification system cleaning my home and my where I especially where I sleep. But I don't we don't do I don't do carpet. Like I just don't do it. If you're going to do it, do it all natural fiber, but carpets are nasty anyway. Every pull them out and they're old, they're disgusting. Yeah. You hardwood, hard surfaces. But anyway, so it gets so bad, dude. The morticians now are telling us the older people that are coming in, they're on these junk food diets and not even junk food, just standard American diet with all this GMO food and carpets. They're kind of already embalmed. Like they don't need to squirt a lot of formaldehyde in. They're kind of already there. Jesus. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's where we're at. But the cool thing is you can clean this stuff up. You yep. can get it out. The body self regenerates. The cells regenerate. And, and you can clean yourself up. Okay. So, uh Again, man, yeah, this has been great. So we we definitely have to get into what it like living foods and stuff like that. Like, it, I know I'll it's do a short summation on that. Sure, it's really it's, it's got to be extremely hard to. And, and whenever I listen to your podcast, I, I was like, I'm starting to think in my head, like, how am I going to do this? Um, I'm starting to look at the crops that I can start planting in June for you know a, a decent harvest for half the summer up in, until September October. But I mean, it's extremely difficult to eat a living food diet. You know, especially when you go to your grocery store, like you said. That's not true. That's not oh, true. It's okay. Easy. It's really simple. You have to grow your own food. And the easiest way to do it is sprouts. And you don't even need dirt. You can grow these on your countertop in your house. And you can also have your grocery store start growing them. That's another way of doing it. And if they don't carry them, go to your produce manager and say, hey, can you get some sprouts in here? Call your vendors and see what they they can bring you alfalfa sprouts and broccoli sprouts and radish and red clover. They can also bring mung beans, which are sprouted. Those are Chinese bean sprouts. I mean, those things are amazing. Those things are like, it's the most easy, easily digestible food on the planet, mung beans. Um, you can sprout lentils, red lentils, French lentils, green lentils. They have those. Sometimes they have in mixes with garbanzo beans and aduki beans. All these things can be sprouted. Right. So for me, it was just like all these different names and beans. It was almost like wah, 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 wah. So I just like I started with wheatgrass, made that work and sunflower seeds. And I kind of failed at the sunflowers. Wheatgrass was working. So we're juicing that. And then finally, I found out I had bad seeds. And then I started growing sunflower sprouts and eating them. I love them. Those were growing in dirt, actually. And then pea sprouts in dirt. But on my countertop, red clover, radish, all this other stuff. So you could literally, what we do is, I actually have an episode, I can't remember which one it is, I think it's episode 48, right? I, I have an episode of the Health Hero Show where it says increasing your nutrition up to 800% with sprouting. And I, I cover over about 90% of everything you need to know about sprouting in there. And the first ones to start with are lentils and mung beans and fenugreek, because you can have, they're ready in two and a half days on your counter. What is sprouting? So Sorry. Can, I'm so sprouting is basically you're taking any nut, seed, grain, or bean, and you're soaking it in water one time. And then you rinse it off and, and let it drain really, really well. That's just as important as rinsing it. And then you rinse it twice a day until the tail pops out, and then you consume it. Okay. And you start eating it at that point. Now That's, some, that's a living you can food. Let it go, you can let it go farther to little later stages, you get microgreens, this type of stuff, or you just eat it right on the spot. Okay. Living foods. Why would you do this? This is really cool. Uh, there's a Dr. Fitzpop, and he coined the phrase biophotons. So the sun rains down bio uh, photons, right? These photons are captured on the leaf of a plant via photosynthesis. Right? They taught us about photosynthesis in second grade, but people forgot about it. They sure as hell didn't talk about biophotons. These biophotons are converted into electrons in, in the plant. 
and then you consume this raw leaf, living leaf of a plant or its nut or seed that sprouted, right? And what are you doing? You're transferring these biophotons, these electrons, literally most of them like go through your teeth. Your teeth are like conductors and they go into your body and they charge your body. Just like, it's like plugging into a battery. And these living foods, I'll just give you an example. They've, this Dr. Fitzpop tested this and he said, we are definitely light beings. Now I remember when I first went to Hippocrates, she's like, you Tim, you're a living light being. I'm like, this lady's lost to the rocker. I mean, she's like a living light being. I'm like, she's like woo-woo out the extreme. She was right. We are. We are light. We are light beings. The photons come down. They're converted into electrons. They go through our teeth and into our digestive tract and into our body. The proof is they actually tested, and you can measure this stuff now. People that consume a junk food diet emit 1,000 biophotons. If you eat an all-cooked organic diet... Those folks emit 23,000 biophotons. If a, new, a newborn baby emits 43,000 biophotons. So, you know, that's kids are just bursting with energy, right? Well, except for the ones that are obese, type 2 yep. diabetes, and cancer nowadays. But um, then the last bunch is somebody that eats all living foods. Let's say you ate 100% living foods. And I'm not saying go do this. I mean, you could. Maybe you should for a short period of time. But what we do is we, we bump people into it slowly. But if you, if you did do this, and there are some people out there like Dr. Gabriel Cousins, look him up. He was a football player back in the day, medical doctor, and dude's 83. Or not how old, he was in his 80s, and he can do like 30 pull-ups. So I don't know many people in their 20s can do 30 pull-ups, okay? And he's got totally flexible. If you eat 100% living foods, you can, you, you'll max out at about 83,000 biophotons, almost double that of a newborn child. Yeah. So here's the big takeaway. Every day your cells are dying. It's called apoptosis, right? They're, they die off. And then every day your cells are regenerating new cells. The key is, is that if you can regenerate more cells that are dying off, you won't age like everybody else. And you'll live a much healthier, longer life. And you're going to have a – you're going to be like – I'm like on my way, dude. I'm on my way. Just like these guys like Gabriel Cousins, Dr. Brian Clement, Anna Maria Clement, they, these living fooders. I eat a tremendous amount of my food living food because I understand the mechanics of the cells now with these electrons. So I'm trying to charge my body up every way I can. I charge my body with the best air. I charge my body with the best water. I charge my body with the most electron-rich food. I go barefoot as much as possible. I have grounding mats because the earth also puts off a frequency, and we can plug into that. I'm doing everything I can to charge my cells so that my cells will regenerate faster than they die off. And when you do this, you're not going to age like everybody else. You won't get sick eventually once you get your immune system built up, and you're just going to feel damn good, and then you're going to you're going to be like this enigma like around this sea of sick people. But by doing this yourself, you're literally handing out permission slips to other people to do it because the people are going to start coming up to you and go, what the hell are you doing? Like when I start, when I came back from Hippocrates, I was like so high on life and energy. I was telling all these people, Charles is going to heal of cancer and it's amazing. And no, 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 I know it. And Tim's lost it. He's gone crazy. <laughs> 60 days later, I had dropped 40, all that 42 pounds was gone. The eczema on both of my elbows, gone. The skin issue on my shoulder that I had to go get cortisone shots, it was just gone. The the big patch of eczema on my knee that used to crack and bleed all the time and stick to my pants, eight months later, that was gone too. I, st I went inside and started healing myself and I started charging my cells and my body just burned out all the disease. And now I'm like freaking 18 and I'm 49 years old. I freaking feel amazing. 
unbelievable. I'm doing stuff like it's crazy, dude. And I, I can go, I can get up at five in the morning, get up and work on the farm here and then start my team meetings at 9 a.m., work all day, do a do a group coaching call like on Wednesdays or something from basically 5.30 to about 7.30. And then, you know, I could go out with my buddies and go swing dancing or something like that. And, you know, not every night, but I'd probably on a Saturday. And I, and I can get up and do it again. I can just do it again, do it again. But sleep, I sleep is very important. I don't recommend, you know, arboring your sleep. But when I need to do that, I can pull it off. When I get done with this podcast, I've got about another hour and a half of, of cleanup on the farm because we're pre- prepping a road for a shop that we're going to put in. I'll be out there working, you know, picking heavy stuff up, tires and stuff, moving stuff, organizing stuff. And I can do that at 49. And I'll wake up tomorrow morning. I'll take an infrared sauna. I drink my green juice and do my little things, all my little lifestyle. And I'll wake up and I'll have no inflammation and no soreness. And I'll feel amazing. This has been, this has been my life now. It's just like natural. It's normal. It's the way it should be. So I got a question on really the live exciting, chat. Man. It is. And again, I mean, I, we'll have to do this again ever. If you, I know you're a busy man, but um, I do have a question from uh, my cousin, Matthew. I was hoping that he'd join the show. This guy, I've had him on my podcast before, and he's very into what you were into. He's probably one of the only people I know that are, that are into it or that is into it. Sorry. He said living foods have structured water, correct? Well, yeah, because the plant actually structures the water okay. itself when it goes through the root system. And that there's a very important thing to understand about farming practices is that because, you know, there's minerals in the soil, right? So I, I have to talk about these two things because it's really cool. 85% of the, the minerals has been farmed out of our soil, number one. So we're all of us walking around are like on 15% octane, and we don't even know it. So let's say you start replacing that, but you till the soil. There's also these things called bacteria. Remember we talked about that earlier? There's the bacteria in the soil, the soil microbiome. And you also have soil, you have gut microbiome. A lot of those are the same ones, right? When you till the soil, you actually kill those microbiome. One of the jobs of those microbiome is to transport nutrients in through the root system of the plant. So tilling is really bad. That's where permaculture hopefully is going to come back. Where in nature is there tilling happening? It doesn't. Nature has, it's that, has that healthy biome, that soil microbiome in their healthy plants you have healthy plants you do that by having a healthy soil and healthy microbiome in that so it's very important to do that and i just did um i think i yeah i did an episode on glyphosate glyphosate is a heavy it's a heavy metal binder and it's in 74 percent of our rainwater so it's landing on the soil binding to heavy metals that have not been through the root system of a plant yet that are not that are not carbon-based it binds to them, and then we're drinking it, and we're, we're heavy metal poisoning ourselves because of glyphosate in the foods today. It's, 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 it's just insidious what's going on, right? So this is why it's so important for us to – we have to have the awareness around this stuff, but then don't freak out. Just start taking baby steps in the right direction and you know, basically getting fresher foods. And, and use, your, use, your, use your dollars to change, change industry. You know, you might, your votes might not count anymore because of the uh, weighted race feature inside these election software machines. <laughs> and that your vote goes in as a fraction, not as a whole number. Think about that. All this other stuff, the ballot dumps, all this stuff, and the dead people. As The real crime scene is what's called the weighted race feature. Not to get off topic, but why would your vote go in as a fraction? And then why would they have a weighted race feature where they can assign a number and change the votes on the output of that system? Think, let's let that one sink in for a while. But what vote does count today is who what you're buying you're yep. going to either serve an industry 
that is going to serve you or you're going to serve an industry that's going to take you down. And that's where most people are at today. We don't know it. There's a disconnect. And there's a lot of emotional stuff going on too, deeper, because I know after coaching 600 people that about 60% of them, 50, 60% of them have emotional, deep emotional issues from childhood. And those emotional issues are always trying to come up and heal. And every time they do, we take food as the dope and we shove them back down, shove them back down, shove them back down. We're talking crazy stuff here too. You know, like dad throwing you over yep. a fence or through a window or mom, like, you know, doing a bunch of drugs and feeding you mayonnaise and eggs and, and, uh, her four boyfriends have sex with you, <laughs> right? When you're a little kid. Right. I've, these are stories I've had. No, no, for sure. No, it's all some very, so very deep, deep stuff shit going on with food. It's, an, you know, it's, we're using it as a dope to push emotions down. And what happens at Hippocrates Health Institute is they take away the dope. They put you on living foods, energize your body. The emotions come up, and that's where the true healing begins. Okay. People will cry uncontrollably for 45 minutes to two, up to an hour and a half. And then they feel like, like me, I felt like I was floating around on a magic carpet after about a 45-minute uh, detox. Like, um, it's an emotional detox. That's what it is. Crying is an emotional detox. It's very important to do for men and women. Um, we're getting close to the end of the hour, man. It's been a great podcast. Uh, it truly has. And again, again, I know you're a busy guy, but I, I, if you could just hit on two things real quick, when you talk about living foods and again, real quick, um, and I know that you're plant-based and stuff like that, but like with animals, mostly, it, mostly. Okay. So I, I was I, a living fooder for five and a half years. I went back and tried the meat thing again a little bit. It didn't work out that well, but I learned not to become a super fanatic about it because sure. I have so many other things in place that. You know, if I go pick morel mushrooms and I want to have a, an omelet once or twice a year, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm just not I'm not going to worry about it. But I'm probably 95% sure. plant-based. But you, you see other cultures. You see other cultures whenever, you know, then, you know, they live in tribes and they do kill the animals right then and there. And then they eat it and it's flesh and blood. And I'm not saying that that's what we should do here in the United States to eat a living food diet to include meat. But you talk about in one of your podcasts how, how quickly... Um, you, you used a head of lettuce as an example, how quickly it loses its nutritional value within a matter of 30 minutes. Is that the same thing that applies to when an animal is killed? If it's, let's say, grass-fed and it can, you know, it can roam however far it needs to roam like a perfect well, animal. Well, sure, yeah. You're, you're, yeah, there actually is a, there's a tribe of people, I think it's in South America or Africa, they actually do, they like kill animals and eat them right on the spot. That's when the enzymes are actually still active in the blood. They'll like drink the blood of the animal as right. it's dying. Um, but as soon as you cook anything, you kill it. Like if you have sprouts and you cook them, you're killing 90, well, anything. You kill 95 to 100% of the nutrition when you cook something. And this has been uh, pretty well documented. I think there was a guy named Dr. Paul Kuchkoff, like back in the 20s. He was like a Nobel Prize like nominee or winner or something like that. And he was the one that was studying this uh, thing called digestive leukocytosis. So the leukocytes, or the white blood cells, would spike up 200 to 5%, 500% every time somebody would eat a meal that he was testing. They thought this was just a normal part of digestion, but they were feeding them all cooked food. And they thought, well, what happens if I feed them raw food that's uncooked? This probably wasn't even living food, just you know, like cucumbers and stuff like that. They might have been picked that day, a week, a week ago, whatever. And what happened was, was astonishing. There was virtually no digestive leukocytosis when these people ate un uncooked food. Well, what's the big deal? Well, these white blood cells are like the Marines, and you have the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Marines. This is your immune system, right? And if the Marines are deployed every day, three times a day, to go deal with your pro the cooked food that you just ate, that 
literally has been shown like uh, it was over in um, uh, was over in God, it was over in Germany. I'll think of it. Uh, the Max Planck Institute that when you cook a meat or protein, you're actually coagulating 50% of the proteins. They're completely unusable, but your body still has to labor to process it to get it out of the body, right? So it takes a tremendous amount of effort to process all this stuff. So the point was no digested leukocytosis. This is a big deal. So if the Marines don't have to be deployed three times a day, that energy that was expended to get that cooked food through you will now be rerouted to your activities of daily living, your think, your movement, you know, your immune system. Because maybe, maybe you're dealing with something else. Maybe you have cancer over here. And if you're sending the troops over here and it's not over here dealing with it, you see what I'm saying? Yep. It, it's a business. So if you have so many troops and they're over here dealing with your stress and all this. So what we what we usually do is ask our clients, like, how much food by weight do you by percentage do you eat that's un, un you know, it's not cooked? And they're like, oh, maybe 20 percent, 10 percent. OK, let's just bump that up 10 percent. And then make a month or two later, we bump it up another 10 percent. The goal originally is just to get over the 50 percent hump, because as soon as you crest that and I'm talking food by weight. Not by, you know, because salads can, might take up a big, oh, I, I half my plate with salad, but it doesn't weigh that much compared to a little chunk of meat, right? So by weight, once you can crest 50%, you virtually stop this digestive leukocytosis. And you're going to have another big boost of energy in your life as soon as you can reach that point. But you got to be careful going into it because if you're doing this at home and you're not at the Hippocrates Health Institute and doing all the things we have and having digestive enzymes, then... All this roughage that's coming into your body could actually cause gas and bloating and, and, and pain because your digestive tract has atrophied because it really hasn't had any resistance because the resistance is the plant fiber and you've been cooking it and denaturing it and turning it into like sloppy putty. So there's no resistance. It's like doing bench press with a broomstick. You're not going to really build any chest muscles doing that. You have to have some resistance. You have to have some weight to build those trans those muscles in your chest, just like the intestinal villi. They create that peristaltic action to take your food through you and pull the nutrients through the intestinal line to get into the bloodstream to get your cells so they can go work and take it to muscles and do this stuff. We, we have to take a look at these things and understand that we have to get smarter about it. And you don't really have to know all this stuff that I've learned. Just freaking go eat fresh stuff. Eat some sprouts and make it a daily – just start adding more into your life. Slowly but surely build up over time. Clean up your gut um, and do some of those like those core four secrets we talked about, right? For sure. And my, my last question, you can make it as quick as quick, quickly as possible as you want. I love spicy food. I love jalapenos, habaneros, serrano peppers, whatever pepper that, that there is. You name it, I love it. I've listened to a few of your podcasts. I haven't really seen or heard you describe how you feel about, you know, spicy food or jalapenos and what their benefits are, you know, in, in that aspect. Well, first off, the thing to understand is everybody's different. And everybody's at different stages in their life and different things. So if you eat spicy foods and it doesn't make you feel good, then right now it's not for you. If you like it and it makes you feel good, do it. But there's definitely some benefits in peppers and stuff like that. Cayenne pepper is an example. Um, increases blood flow. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing, right? You can put it in um, like lemon water and drink it in the morning. It's awesome. It's, it's a great way to increase your blood flow, right? What's also really interesting is that if you like sliced your hand open, you were cut really bad, you just dump a bunch of cayenne pepper on there and it just closed the wound. Oh, damn. It's unbelievable. And that actually happened uh, at one of the chefs had got their hand in one of them blenders and kind of sliced it up pretty bad. And Anna Maria Clement, the doctor there, she's like, 
she was they were in the kitchen. She just grabbed the cayenne pepper. She knew and she just dumped it all over their hand and then wrapped the hand up and then took them to the hospital and it stopped the bleeding. Okay. There's there's cheap stuff out there that works for all kinds of stuff, like garlic oil, like for ear infections, for kids, dogs, all that kind of stuff, for ingrown toenails that get infected. Garlic oil will knock it out. But people need to know how to make it properly. It's not hard, but right. that costs pennies. There's no money in this stuff. That's the problem. Yeah. All right, man. Well, um, it's been a pleasure. The last thing I, I promised to ask is just another question in the comments below is uh, what are your thoughts of Robert, Dr. M Robert Morse, if you know of him? Yeah, I actually I, I, I watched a bunch of his stuff early on in my journey. Um, I liked the passion that he had. Um, I agreed with, I don't know, probably half the stuff he said and other half the stuff I didn't really agree with. So um, the only thing ab about him that I would say is like, he just doesn't really look as healthy as maybe he could be, right? So for me, I, I wouldn't go to a blind ophthalmologist, um, you know, trying to get fixed my eyes. I wouldn't go to an overweight dietitian. Um, for people that I take advice from, you better damn well have beautiful skin, clear eyes. You better be vibrating a high frequency yourself. Otherwise, I'm not going to listen to you. Sorry. It's just not, it's not happening in my camp. I have to find, I'm looking for people that are healthier than me so I can say, what are you doing? Yep. What do you eat? When do you go to bed? Because I want to learn from them because success leaves clues. Rock on, man. Well, again, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, before you leave, definitely shoot a plug out to where we can find you, website. Uh, are, you, are you in the works of, of writing a book? I, I looked on Amazon. I didn't see that you I didn't see if you had written a book or not, but where can we find you? Yeah, man? that just got started. I will have a book out. Um, it's we're just in the planning stages. People have been asking me to write one for years and I just didn't want to write a book. And all of a sudden now I do. So I just it's actually kind of exciting. I, I only follow my excitement. That's my path in life. I just do that. So if people want to reach out to me or uh, our company, it's really simple. Just go to chemicalfreebody.com. That's chemicalfreebody.com. And um, I also have a podcast where there's a lot of free information. There's a link under the Learn tab there. It says podcast, or we're on all the major platforms wherever you guys consume your podcast. We're there under the Health Hero Show. Um, if somebody wants to take our products, um, I would just go to the shop deal. I'll show you guys how to get a double discount. You go to savings bundles, and you could like start with a jumpstart bundle or do a total energy and detox bundle. That's what I do on a monthly basis. And I also take our Turmeric 100 product anti-inflammatory so I can you know I don't have inflammation and um, or pick something in between that works for you or your budget or just whatever resonates with you and then at checkout let's give them a uh, we'll give them a five percent discount code do you want it to be talk or talk junkies uh, talk junkies yeah okay we'll make it talk junkies so you put talk junkies in I'll do this right after this thing and I'll just put it in there and you'll get an additional 5%. That way you get a cool, double man. discount. That. We have a double your money back guarantee on all of our products. So I I stand behind it. Um, Dr. Scott Treadway is our formulator. He um, learned Ayurvedic system science. He is a master herbalist in Western uh, Chinese and um, Indian herbology. And he's 73. And his skin looks like he's 38. And he's super healthy. And he meditates. And, and he does yoga. And he's somebody that I take advice from. So we have him on staff, and we're very excited to have Dr. Treadway because he's healthy himself. Rock on. Well, it's been a pleasure, man. Uh, I'll definitely put links in the description below uh, whenever I get done doing this video as well. Uh, that way people can find it easier, or people can find you easier. Tim, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for joining Talk Junkies. Hope to hear from you again sometime in the future, man. And uh, may you have a blessed journey, my man. 
Dude, thank you so much for having me on. And I, I hope the listeners, I mean, I threw up a lot of stuff today, but hopefully there's just like one thing that resonated with you. Go take action on it. I mean, just put yourself first, love yourself. We're, we all need, we, the working class has got to come together and we have to start taking care of ourselves. So that's my message. Rock on, man. Appreciate you. Have a good night. Thanks. Bye.